Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Good morning, Ecclesia. It's so good to see all of you. Thank you for bearing with me as I kind of get ready. Um, As Ian said, my name is Danielle, and I have been one of the interns around here since September, um, and I have just been loving it. I love this community so much, and I just want to start by thanking you for allowing me to preach this Sunday and kind of taking over that role. Um, It's such an honor and a pleasure to be here with you in person, and I'm very excited to bring a word to you guys. So just a moment ago, we heard Ashley tell us the story of John 21. And when I first read this for myself, it made me think of a book that my mom read read to me when I was a little girl. And that book was called Grover's Bad Awful Day. (laughs) And if you're not familiar with that story, it is about a Sesame Street character named Grover. And this poor guy, just about everything that could go wrong in his day does. Um, At one point, he's trying to make breakfast and he spills milk all over the table. Um, He's late for show and tell. And later, he wants to join his friends in a game and they won't let him. So it's not a good day for Grover. And this might seem quite random, but it actually sets up our understanding of Peter's story perfectly because in John 21, he's really not having a great day and just about everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And as I approach, um, when I approach scripture that's written like a narrative like this one, I like to think of each character's perspective as like a different camera angle in a movie. So I want to begin by looking through the camera angle of Peter and seeing like his perspective of what's going on. Um, But before that, we have to realize that just a few chapters before, what's going on with Peter is that he, during the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus, he denied Christ or denied knowing Christ three times in front of his face. And after Jesus' resurrection, he is just not in a good place. He's in a full-on shame spiral and things are not looking great for him. And much like Grover's story, we can see that basically everything that could go wrong does go wrong for him. He starts off his day with some of the other disciples, and they, des- they decide to go fishing. And um, before Peter was a disciple, he was a fisherman. So this is something that he should be good at. But he goes out on the water, and he catches nothing. No fish. So not a great way to start off the day. And then the disciple John turns to the shore and says, hey, look at that man. And it just happens to be Jesus who performs this miracle of fish. And this seems like a great thing, but for Peter, Jesus is the last person on earth he wants to see. He's just wrecked by shame. And now the one person that he denied knowing just shows up on the scene and it's it's not a good look for Peter. So his day just keeps getting worse from there. Then everyone decides to come back onto the shore to be with Jesus. And of course, Peter decides to jump in the water and just Michael Phelps it all the way to the shore. (laughs) Just going above and beyond. Um, But once they're all gathered there, um, something happens. Jesus gathers them in front of a fire of burning coals. 
And this might seem like a random detail, but the only other time that burning coals are mentioned in the New Testament is in reference to when Peter denied Christ. So it's basically like he's sitting in front of this reminder of what he did wrong. So just to summarize, this poor guy goes out on the water, can't catch any fish on his own, is confronted by the object of his shame, Jesus, and now is surrounded by constant reminders of what he did wrong. And you'd think that one of his disciples would know that Jesus is the one who forgives sins. We've seen that throughout the Gospels. But it seems like Peter can't forgive himself for what he did wrong and can't really start to accept the, G the forgiveness that Jesus has already extended. So at this point, our friend Peter is in pretty rough shape. But the beautiful thing is that he doesn't realize what Jesus is about to do for him. So at this point, I'd like to change camera angles and look at this story from Jesus' perspective. If we compare the two, we see that Peter came from a place of shame and hurt and just running from God. But when we see Jesus showing up on the scene, he's coming from a place of care and forgiveness and genuine love for his friend. And we have to realize that when Jesus is showing up here in the story, he had a limited amount of time on earth. The disciples may not have known that, but looking at the scriptures, we know that now he had a, a small amount of time to spend with people. And he chose for that day that he was going to go seek out his friend and bring him healing and restoration, which is so beautiful. But what's also remarkable is that Peter wasn't there to just wash, or um, Jesus wasn't there to just wash away Peter's sin because Jesus already did that on the cross. That work was already done but he was there to restore Peter in every other way. But what does that look like? What does it look like to, to restore someone besides, outside of sin? What does that mean? Well, I think Jesus does this in three different ways for Peter. The first way is that he restores Peter physically. We have to realize that him and the other disciples were on the water all night trying to catch fish, and this was a very labor-intensive activity. So they're probably tired and weary and most of all hungry. So what does Jesus do? He makes them breakfast. He provides them with a meal and in doing so gives them energy and restores them physically so that they can go about the rest of their day. And one thing I really love about Jesus is that food comes up a lot in his ministry. Like it's often the center of what he's doing and I consider Jesus a foodie which just makes me more connected to him. But we see in stories like when Jesus fed the 5,000, that these masses of people were there to hear Jesus' words and see the miracles. And before Jesus even opened up his mouth, he turns and looks at the crowd and says, you know, I bet they're hungry. I bet that they could use a meal. And he does this miracle with fishes and loaves and provides for them. And then we see in the Last Supper, when Jesus creates this symbol and this ritual of remembrance of what he's about to do on the cross, he takes these two elements. He could have used anything. He could have used kale and tap water, but no. He chooses these decadent elements of bread and wine. Like, can I get an amen for all my bread people out there? <laughs> and now we see that this one morning, he chooses to make breakfast for his friends. 
And this isn't just a meal. It's a symbol of how Jesus cares, cares for and loves Peter and the other disciples. So that is the first way. Jesus restores Peter physically. And the next way is Jesus restores Peter emotionally. After they're done with breakfast, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And he asks this three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And this is very significant that he asks it three times because that's the exact same amount of times that Peter denied Christ. So it's almost as if with each question of love, he's washing away the shame and guilt that Peter was carrying. And it's through this emotional restoration that, pe- that Peter is able to start to forgive himself, but also start to accept the forgiveness that Jesus has already extended on the cross. So that is the second way. He restores Peter emotionally. And lastly, I believe he restores Peter vocationally. After Peter denied Christ, he went back to a life that he knew. He went back to fishing, and that was comfortable for him. But Jesus had a higher calling for him. There was nothing wrong with fishing, but he had a specific duty and a work that he needed him to return to. But unfortunately, Peter no longer felt that he was able to take on this vocation because he didn't feel worthy. But Jesus is able to restore him in that. After these words of, Peter, do you love me? And after Peter replies, yes, Lord, what happens is that he gives him these words, Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. And this is not a literal call to be a shepherd to a an actual flock, but this is a call, this is a commissioning to a life of service and looking after the flock of believers and being a shepherd to them for the kingdom of God. So through Jesus' restoration of Peter physically, emotionally, and vocationally, he's able to let go of his shame and accept Jesus' forgiveness, but also get back to the work of spreading the gospel and setting the foundation for the early church. And this is a beautiful story, and it has so much in it. But I think we would be missing something if we didn't look at one last camera angle, and that's our own. We can look at this story and say, yeah, it's great. You know, Jesus made breakfast for some people, and he made Peter feel better about himself. But we should ask, what does this passage have to do with us? And what does it reveal about Jesus? Well, I believe it tells a story of how Jesus is a personal God. And it tells us this through the lens of Peter. And if we really think about it, we've all been Peter at some point. We've all felt shame. We've all felt lost. And we've all chosen to run from God at some point. But the good news is that Jesus cares for us in the same way that he cared for Peter. Jesus doesn't just say, You know, I did my work on the cross. You know, spiritual well-being and forgiveness in that sense is fine. You guys can take care of the rest. No. Jesus says, I want to restore. I want to restore your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, your, your vocational purpose. I want to restore it all. And if we are willing to let it, Jesus', for, Jesus forgiveness doesn't just take away our sins but it can seep into every facet of who we are as human beings 
and make us truly whole. Honestly, it could be crazy to think that the creator of the universe, the creator of the stars and the air that we breathe right now cares about if we have a bad day or our emotional health or sense of purpose, but he does, he deeply does. And I know I've said a lot of things today. I've talked about children's stories and uh, food and all kinds of crazy things. Um, and at this point, as I conclude, I wanna invite the band back up. And friends, if you take anything from what I've said, I hope that you know that you are a priority to Christ, that Christ cares for you and wants a deep and intimate relationship with you, that he wants to love you on a personal level. And if it wasn't obvious enough, in this story, Jesus took that short sliver of time that he had on earth and went out to seek a friend who was hurting and to restore him. Jesus taught in Matthew 18 that a shepherd will always leave their flock of 99 sheep to go in search of the one. And that's what he did for Peter, but that's what he would do for you and me every single day. And we have to remember that Jesus' ways aren't always logical to us. So the ways that he gives love to people that can never reciprocate the way that he died for sinners like you and me, and the way that he drops everything to help one person in need. But that is the God that we serve. The God of abounding love and unending grace. The God who cares about our whole being and doesn't just stop at the soul. The God who wants a deep and intimate connection and relationship with everyone here and beyond. And the God who forgives even the deepest sins and welcomes us back into his arms every single time. Friends, this is the God that we serve. This is the personal God of love and forgiveness. Let's pray. Dear loving and gracious God, I thank you for the story of Peter and what a great reminder it is that you love us so much and you care about restoring us in every way. I ask that you would help us to remember this as we go about our days, weeks, and lives. And that you remind us to lean on you in times of struggle and fear and shame. Please be with us in all these spaces and help us to never forget how much you love us. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.